Blog Talk Radio. AJ Black coming to you with a new episode of BC Interruption Radio. I'm doing this on my own this time as I thought maybe we'd try something a little different than what we're used to. You know, I had uh, this podcast for years with Dan Rubin, uh, or new guy as many of you guys know, Uh, but he left back in September. He's off in the land of Boston College as in an official sense. Um, It was good working with him. We had a good uh, back and forth Uh, banter that went pretty well during this but it's been a little bit challenging you know with the new guys that are on to the site I don't know many of them all that well Uh, you know I know Grant and I know Joe and Balin and Laura but um, you know I talk a lot of football football may not be their strongest suit they all certainly know it quite a bit but um, I don't think you were going to get the same back and forth that you got with me and new guy Uh, you know if you're again I like to plug Dan because Dan's still my friend. If you ever want to check him out, he's on bceagles.com under the Eagles Unlimited, I believe is what it's called now. Uh, You can check out a lot of his stuff and what he's writing. And he's on Twitter as well. Um, I think it's at bcdanrubin, I I believe, if you look it up on Twitter. So you can find him still. He's out there. But I thought, you know, just having me kind of riff and talk about what is going on with BC Sports and just get my perspective on things – you get a lot of hot takes from me. Uh, might be an interesting way to try this out. So, you know, if you're if you're listening to this for the first time, hope you like it. If you have ideas of how I can change it, please let me know. I plan on having some guests in the future. Uh, I'm not going to have a co-host, but, you know, I'll have probably like Eric Hobson's jump in a few times to talk recruiting. Or if we're into a game week, I'm going to have, you know, like I used to have a guy from some of the other – have uh, guys from some of the other – blogs come in to talk about you know wake forest or whatever uh so you'll you can look forward to that as well Um, and i'll talk a little bit before the blog uh the 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 podcast ends about how uh you guys can be a part of the show as well because i'm not going to do uh call-ins because what i'm gonna what my game plan is with this is i'm not gonna i'm gonna try to do this as regularly as possible you know maybe once a week if i can summer months i can't guarantee that because you know what, there's not a hell of a lot to talk about because school's not out of set, not in session. And, you know, there's no press uh, conferences and things of that nature. But I will jump in to talk about recruiting and, and, and previews the upcoming season. But what I'm going to try to do is as much as, uh, as much as possible, I'll give you guys a heads up about when new episodes are going to come out. And you can jump into iTunes and download these and hopefully uh, we can get a, a, a good listenership going that way. So, I really felt this was a great week to start our podcast and reboot it from square one. There's a lot going on in Boston College sports in the last month or so. Big news all over the place. Um, I'm not going to get into a ton about A.J. Turner and basketball, but I'm going to really focus in on athletics as a whole and football because obviously we just had the spring game about two weeks ago, and there's a lot to talk about with what happened during the game, 
how the game was run and maybe to talk about what Boston College spring games should look like moving forward because I think there's a lot of untapped potential there with BC spring games um, and I think with hopefully Martin Jarmond, our new AD stepping in, he might be able to look outside the box and really bring it into something that other people will look, uh, you know, other people are going to enjoy. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But first, let's talk about the spring game. Spring game, you know, it was hard to follow. I'm just going to be honest. Again, these are a lot of my hot takes. I, I report it on the site. You're going to get a lot of what I really feel on this podcast. So hopefully I'm not offensive, but still keeping it real. That's what AJ is all about. I like keeping it real with you guys. So what I'm going to talk about, I didn't go to the game. I, you know, this year was a, a big change for me. I didn't go uh, and tailgate this year. I just couldn't justify my brains coughing up thousands of dollars for, um, you know, the tailgating spot when most of my friends have now either moved away or started a family and it's just not what it used to be. So I changed that. And this year was the first year in probably 10 years that I haven't gone to a spring game when there was a spring game happening. I know we missed one because of the Boston Marathon bombing a couple years ago. And then Adazio canceled one, I think in 2015, because of um, injuries. But this was the first one I decided, you know what? I have no interest in going to Boston College today. I'm just going to watch it from the comfort of my couch. I think that's something a lot of people are doing now, not just with spring football, but with just football in general. It's easier just, you know, you get your big screen TVs, you get yourself a, a beer and, uh, you know, some appetizers, and it's, it's, it's more enjoyable, especially with the weather that they had during that game. If you were watching it on TV, I live, you know, like 30 minutes north of Boston College, so it, I had the same weather they did. It was crap. It was raw, it was cold, it was rainy, it was just gross. And I can't imagine many people were like, oh, let's go watch an exhibition football game at Boston College and sit on those cold iron bleachers and have a, you know, soggy hot dog and watch a football game that it's pretty clear that Steve Adazio kind of wanted to have, but didn't seem really all that invested in. So I think, you know, I, I speak for a lot of people when I say, you know, it was easy, it was nice to be able to watch it on that ESPN app. And I don't know how many of you guys got a chance to do that, uh, but it worked pretty well. The guys on the, sh- on the channel were pretty good. It was Pete Cronin and um, some other guy. I couldn't, I forget his name right now. And I apologize. They, you know, they were going back and forth and Cronin was doing a lot of his tote in the party line, which is fine. He works very close with Boston college and with, with the coaches, so he's there to do that. Um, and and the, the head guy, you know, he just kind of riffed with him a lot. And there were some funny moments during that game, I thought, that um, really made the, the, the game go a little quicker because it, at points, was pretty boring. So the game itself started, you know, there must have been, and I only could see what they showed on TV, and I know I tweeted about it, um, that it looked like there was no one there. But the way that the camera angles on ESPN showed it, was that the camera was pointing towards the wrong uh, sideline, where away from where the fans usually sit. So it was a little misleading, but I still, I mean, they showed the, the, the crowds, and it was nothing more than what you would normally see at a BC spring game, which is pretty, you know, a couple hundred hardcore fans and some families that are there. Um, the game started, it was maroon versus gold. Um, they released the 
rosters before the game. And it was kind of like what they did last year where they had captains and they picked the teams. They didn't do a big deal with it this time. They did that in years uh, last year, which I thought was really cool where they had the co- the captains announcing who the teams were going to be. And they made that into a big deal. But what I was hoping for was it was going to be a Anthony Brown versus Darius Wade quarterback battle. I, I think that's what a lot of BC fans were looking for. So maybe Anthony Brown was on the Maroon team and Darius Wade was on the gold team. And let's see what they can do, you know, battling back and forth. But Steve Adasio actually did something that made sense. And I didn't even think about it until I watched it, which was he wanted to see the first offense versus the first defense um, and the second offense against the second defense. So Anthony Brown and Darius Wade were actually on the same team um, at first. And we'll get into what that changed into later. Um, the teams took the field. They started playing. And immediately what struck me, you know, there was all this talk about tempo that was going to happen. And I was excited about the quarterbacks and what we're going to see. Um, and, and I was excited about seeing what the play calling was going to be. Um, what struck me was the the – play calling right off the bat did not seem any different than what I saw last year. And what I mean by that is they started right off the bat and it was like sweet play, sweet play, bad pass, punt, run up the middle, off tackle, off tackle, pass, incomplete, punt. And that was how the first quarter went. It looked just like every single BC game that we saw last year. It it just looked very bland and vanilla, but then the offense started to pick up and the person, the quarterback that we were hoping pick it up was the one that we saw. And that was Darius Wade. You got a guy, he's played a couple of years now under Steve Adazio's system. He got some starting experience. I know he got killed in his freshman year when uh, he was stuck behind that offensive line. That was not very good. And then he got knocked out against Florida state, but we saw, in the spring game was a Wade that looked more confident and it started to really show starting in that second quarter. He was making passes. He was composed in the pocket. He was reading pressure. Um, You saw him doing a lot of underneath passes. It wasn't really like him stretching the field, but it was the short dink and dunk kind of stuff, which, you know, is fine. It, It got a little better as the game went on, but he really started to, solidify himself as the starter because what I saw out of Anthony Brown was a quarterback who may improve and become a better quarterback with a higher ceiling than Wade. But now he's, I don't see him as a quarterback that's ready to start day one in September. Darius Wade looked like a quarterback that was ready to go. He looked like, you know, I, I think he's going to be a game manager. I don't think he's going to be like a superstar, but he's not going to make big mistakes. He's not uh, going to make bad passes. I don't think you'll see what we saw out of Tolls this year, which was, you know, every once in a while, it's like what one of those WTF passes where, where the hell was he throwing that ball? Wade is not the kind of guy that makes those passes. And I think that's fine. I think that's what Adazio would like. Brown, he was, he was doing more of the stretch the field type of pass plays. You know, he was, he had a bomb to Elijah Robinson that went right off his fingertips, which Elijah Robinson should have caught. He was more inaccurate than Wade. I thought he made some bad reads at points. He made some bad throws that he shouldn't have. 
Um, and I think that kind of decision-making is going to really weigh heavily on Adazio's mind when he names a starter. And I think, honestly, when we get to August, it's going to be Darius Wade. I think uh, and Anthony Brown needs another year of seasoning and, and learning the system and, and working on his feet work, his footwork and, and his throws to, before he's going to get to start. So, uh, you know, in the end, uh, Wade, they, I forget, I think the score was 17 to 14. Wade was responsible for 28 points throughout that game. So they switched. It was, it was, it, if you watched it, it was crazy to watch. Wade was on the goal team. He was on the maroon team. They switched everybody. There was just like Adazio was playing like magical shirts where everyone was just wearing different jerseys at different points. It was hard to follow what, what was going on. But in the end, playing with the first team, playing with the second team, Wade was responsible for 28 of those points. And all of the touchdowns, none of them came through the air, which is a little con- um, concerning if you're a fan of the forward pass, which I think we all are. We want to see uh, a little bit of a repeat of what we saw at, in the quick lane bowl against Maryland, where Wade was able to to move the ball a little bit through the uh, – not Wade. Tolles was able to move the ball a little bit through the air. But we didn't really see a lot of that on um, in the spring game. Wade ended up finishing the game going six of 10 passing on one team and then 10 of 17 for 120 on the other. So again, it's kind of silly that they couldn't put his stats together. Um, But he, you know, he basically threw for like 60% and 180, 190 yards while Brown was all over the place. He went six of um, 27, I think, Uh, no, 10 of 27. So you, you can see right there that, you know, Wade clearly had the better game between the two of them. And now, you know, looking at the other pieces, of course, we're going to want to look at where the offensive line is concerning. I still think it's going to be a thing that fans are going to worry about going into August because there's so many question marks again, you know, Steve Adazio came to Boston college as a guy that is supposed to be able to manage an offensive line. He was an offensive line coach, you know, when he started his career. And the first two years, we saw offensive lines that were dynamic. He had offensive lines that were able to open up holes for his running game and dominate the line of scrimmage. The last two years, we haven't seen that. This is the big year. This is year number five. And the spring game didn't give us a chance to really see where he's at with that because John Baker, who is uh, projected to be the starting center, was out with a shoulder injury. Elijah, uh, Elijah Johnson, a sophomore tackle, blew out – I think he had a knee injury or a leg injury, and I don't think he's going to be coming back in time uh, for this season. He's going to be gone. So you only saw three-fifths of what your starting offensive line is going to look like, and I think that is something – it just doesn't give us a lot of feedback. It doesn't give us what we want to see. What we did see, there was some good moments, I think on the offensive line. I like the move from Lindstrom from guard to tackle. He's a big guy. I think he's talented. I think he's going to be a good guy to keep on that, at that tackle position. Um, He'll be someone to look at. And I think the really interesting thing about the center position is there's a possibility, and I've read some places that, that, you know, the coaching staff may consider this, is that John Baker, when he comes back, may not be the starting center 
come the fall. It might actually be Shane Leonard, who had a fantastic camp from everything I've read. Again, everything I read uh, in terms of reports from practice, just so you guys know, I don't get to go to practices. Um, I have another job, so it's impossible for me to get there. That's why I don't ever say I report. I get reports back. But he's, you know, some of the people I've talked to that have gone to practice, Shane Leonard had a great practice. There's a possibility he could be the starting center, and then they move Baker over to guard. And so that might be something. And the other piece that was missing is uh, West. It hasn't been officially confirmed by Boston College yet, but everything that you see with Twitter and all that, uh, all the other sites, is that Marcel Lazard, a six foot six tackle who played for West Virginia the last three years, is going to do his graduate year at Boston College, and he's going to slide in and be that tackle instead of Elijah Johnson. So he'll be someone. He's got experience. He's a big dude. He's got starting experience. I think as long as he can pick up Adazio's blocking scheme, and I don't know how difficult that is. It's not like it's Belichick's uh, Patriots scheme. I think he'll be a guy that will be starting when we play Northern Illinois on that Friday. So you see him, and then there's one other guy, and I'm totally blanking on who it is, um, Aaron Montero. He's probably, the I would say, my biggest question mark going into the, the, the summer. It's, he started now for a year and a half. He's been on the team for two. I worry about him. You know, the first year he came in as a freshman, he was huge. He was like 350 pounds, which is great if you can manage the body. But he looked completely out of, out of sync at the offensive line. He just was getting blown by by defenders. He looked like a revolving door at points. Um, and but it looked like Adazio made him slim down in the offseason. He, he trimmed down to about 300 pounds. The form and the technique still, I still have questions about it. I don't think he was, um, I still think he was probably one of the weakest links of last year's offensive line, only second to Jimmy Lowry, who had a really poor season with Boston College last year. But this is going to be his make or break season. I think they're going to possibly move him to guard as well, um, which I don't know how that's going to affect the overall play of, uh, of Montero. But, you know, if he continues to make mistakes, Adazio has, he keeps talking about, he has his guys. He's got a bench full of guys like Wyatt Knopke and Anthony Palazzola, Zolo, and, you know, all these other guys that he's brought in um, that I'm blanking on names right now, but he's got four or five guys that should be on the bench. If Montero continues to struggle, he's got to be a guy that, you know, he, he's got to pull the trigger on this and, and bench him because if Adazio is going to insist on playing that physical line of the present uh, line of attack football, he's got to have an offensive line he can trust. And Montero seems to consistently be that weak point. And I think that's something that, that's of concern and something Adazio can address it and find a guy on his roster that is an improvement. He's got to pull that trigger. Okay. Um, in terms of the defense, it's fine. I don't think the defense will be anything that we need to worry about this season. They're going to have, they have talent, I think at all three levels, a lot of you know, a lot of, a lot of what I've read about and I've seen is that concern at the defensive tackle position. And I think what we're going to see is that the starters are going to be very talented. I like Noah Merritt a lot. We saw him really be, uh, you know, destructive in that game against Maryland in the quick lane bowl 
in January. He was all over the place. Not January, in December. Sorry, they haven't played the January Bowl in years. I like him. I like Ray Smith as well. But after those two, it's just giant question marks. So if BC gets gassed or there's injuries, I don't know who they're going to bring in to, to fill those spots. And I think that's a piece of concern that I would have about the, the defense. I think the front two guys themselves, I think they'll be perfect. And I think with Harold Landry lined up as defensive end around them, that's only going to make them better because defenses are going to have to, I mean, offenses are going to have to scheme around Harold Landry because he's so talented. He, you know, he's going to be a first round draft pick. He's got to be, he's got to be a guy that I think after this year, I've seen, you know, a lot of mock drafts out right now, you know, different sites right after the 2017 draft was over. They're like, Oh, here's your mock draft. And you look at it a year later and say, Oh, this is a load of crap. But I think what we're going to see next year is Landry probably being a top 15 to 20 pick. And I think he's going to need to show that against the double teams that he's going to see year in, year out. Um, against, you know, and so again, looking at the spring game, the, the front line was fine. The, the guy that I thought stuck out a lot was Zach Allen, who I think over the last three years, uh, two years in the spring game has been a, a quiet, efficient player and a guy that can make plays. And I, I really think, you know, he had three tackles, a sack, and three pass deflections. Um, and I think he's going to be a guy that we'll, we'll start talking about more because when, you know, the cover, you know, the, the blocking schemes are all tilted towards Landry, it's going to leave Zach Allen open, open to make some big plays. And I think he showed on uh, Saturday two weeks ago that he's going to be a guy that will be one we're talking about. Um, the linebackers, I think, are going to be super talented, and I really am excited to see what they're going to be able to do. Um, and, you know, I was talking to Dan Rubin the other day, and he, he talks up Ty Schwab a lot. He thinks he's a great leader. Um, he made some great plays. He had two tackles for losses against um, his uh, fellow teammates in the spring game. He had a sack and 10 tackles. He's a tackling machine. He's just like – he's a, you know, he's kind of like a, a Matt Milano in terms of he's a s- speedy, hard-hitting – uh, linebacker that's going to make some plays. Uh, Connor Strahan did not play. He was injured and he's, uh, you know, recovering from that. So we didn't see him. The other linebacker that I thought had a great game was Ethan Tucky. Um, Tukey, Tucky. I, I don't know if I'm getting his name right. Um, he didn't play last year. So um, I didn't get to hear um, Mita Perel say his name all that much, but I think he could be someone that could be a quiet breakout season type player. He had a great game. Um, in the spring game, he had one uh, fumble recovery. He had a bunch of tackles just seemed to be all over the place. And I think with Strahan and Schwab, the three of them will, you know, really put together that four, three defense and really solidify that second line of defense and and give BC those three linebackers that they always seem to have. It's, it's, you know, depending, it doesn't matter if it's a Spaziani or Adazio, they all BC seems to always have talented linebackers. And I think this year will will be no different. You're going to see, Strahat and 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 Schwab making big plays all over the place. Um, in the secondary, um, you saw again some some good good plays. Uh, Tajamir Torres uh, had an interception. There were some guys, you know, I don't know if they're going to be practice squad or, or backups that were making a lot of plays. Um, but you know, with the secondary. I, the B- BC didn't do a lot in terms of like 
deep passes and the deep passes that they did make didn't seem to be all that accurate many times, or if they were, they're good passes and just were dropped by receivers. Um, but you know, they, I didn't really get a good feel on the secondary on Saturday. I didn't, I didn't see a lot and it didn't give me enough to really like make a hot take on what I saw in terms of what their play um, receivers. Now let's, let's just switch back to offense again. I'm, I'm going to go all over the place. That's the kind of way my brain works. It's the kind of way AJ thinks about things is, and my wife would tell you all the time. It's like, where, where the hell are you thinking of these things? Your brain goes all over the place. I'm sorry. I apologize. And if my writing ever turns out that way, you guys now know why, because it's just the way my brain works. Um, uh, back on the offense, the receivers, we didn't see Michael Walker because he was out. Again, another injury. I didn't even know if Adazio was going to have this game happen because there seemed to be so many injuries up and down the lineup. Um, there were a couple guys that I, I was really impressed with. I thought Tommy Sweeney, again, he's going to be a fun player to watch. I, you know, he fits perfectly into Darius Wade's wheelhouse, I think, in terms of his skill sets. He's, he's going to run those short and intermediate routes that will give um, Wade, you know, a, a dump off pass. And I think he's got the speed and the physicality to make yards after the catch. And that's going to be exciting. I think he could be honestly what I've seen, probably one of the best tight ends I've seen out of BC in years, uh, probably back to, you know, CJ Parsons. I think he's better than any of the guys I've seen around lately. Um, he's got good hands. He runs good routes. He doesn't drop the ball all that often. And, you know, he's only a junior, so he's got a lot of room for growth. And I think we're going to see that. And, he, you know, he looked just very solid on Saturday. Um, so he'll be exciting, and I think he'll be um, a name that we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about this fall. Um, Kobe White, that's the guy I, I was excited to watch. I heard a lot about him uh, from, you know, the, the press releases and the, the practice reports. Um, he was a big recruit that they got. I think he was a three-star, but a lot of teams were really high on him. Uh, he had a great, a good game. He didn't do a, a lot. Uh, he had three catches for 12 yards, but a couple times I think he had a couple routes where he ran that if Anthony Brown could have put it on his hands, he would have had it. Um, he'll definitely give BC some depth this year. I don't know if he'll be a starter, especially with Jeff Smith. Michael Walker and Charlie Callen and probably getting the, the top three wide receiver roles, but hell, if we can have depth at wide receiver, I, I I'm happy with that. It's been years since we've had more than one wide receiver that can catch the ball. So that'll be exciting. Um, I, you know, you'll add him to Thad Smith and to, um, uh, you know, uh, Nolan Bergeson. That's the name. I'm not just blanking on a name right there. It was Nolan Bergeson was the other guy. He, who also played a little bit, and Ben Glines. Ben Glines um, had some catches out there to this, uh, this, this game. Didn't do a lot, but he's another guy. So you got about six wide receivers, I think, that could that showed up um, during the spring game that with a consistent quarterback will be someone that we're going to, you know, who could, who could play this fall, excuse me. Um, rushing, um, it was a lot of the ball was spread around and that's exactly what you'd expect. Uh, Richard Wilson had two of the touchdowns. I wouldn't read too much into that. A lot of that was against the second defense. Um, he's a good change of pace back. I don't think he's going to be a starter. John Hilleman, 
he was the starter for most of the game. Be the starter again this fall. I liked him. He looks healthy. He's going to be dynamic, I think, um, if he can stay healthy and if Adazio can finally get the defense to stop stacking 10 guys in the box and, and jump in the run. Um, Travis Levy was another name. He's a true freshman. Uh, I think he's from Maryland or Delaware. I'm blanking. I don't have it right in front of me right now. Uh, he's a three-star. He came in in the spring, um, so he's new. He, he looks good. I think he's going to be another, uh, you know, a guy – He's, he didn't look huge. He's not like giant like Hilleman. Um, but I didn't see a lot of passes thrown his way, so I couldn't tell you if he's going to be like a Miles Willis or, or, um, or, or you know, a pass-catching pass running back. So that, that was something I saw as well. Uh, A.J. Dillon is not there yet, so he didn't play. Um, he'll be there in the spring. People were asking me about that. He's a four, the four-star that they got last year that they nailed from uh, Michigan. He will be there uh, during the summer, and Adazio keeps talking him up, so I imagine he'll be part of the game, but he wasn't playing during the spring game. Um, you know, that's kind of it for my thoughts on the spring game. Uh, I watched it from my couch, and my wife, again, looked at me and goes, why are you watching this? I go, because I, like I just like to – I'll watch football anytime if it gives me an excuse, and I don't get to watch football again for another four months. So this is it. Um, it wasn't terribly engaging. It was, you know, dry. And by the end, they, the teams were tied. Or no, one team had a three-point lead. Or no, it, was tie, it ended up tied. It was 17-17. And I think it was Colton Lichtenberg was trying for like a 60-yard field goal. And the whole team rallied around him. And he missed by like 10 yards. It wasn't even close. Um, but Adazio went for a faster clock in the third quarter and then he had a running clock in the ten, in the fourth quarter and a 10 minute quarter. It was just like, let's finish this thing and not get hurt, which I, I, I get. It doesn't really, um, doesn't matter. It's a, it's an exhibition game. It's fun. But that kind of leads into my second part of my conversation, which is what can they do about the spring game? I watched um, the black and red Georgia game and I watched a piece of the Alabama game and I know that they're SEC powerhouses and they're in the South and it it is what it is, but I feel like there's some missed potential with this spring game. You look at what they could do with the campus that they have. It's beautiful at Boston college this time of year. The flowers are blooming. They've done all that landscaping. The snow's gone for the most part at this point. And all you get you get the email. We all get that email, you know, beginning, end of March. Come to the Jay McGillis spring game. We have face painting and a bouncy house and a thing that you can, th- your kids can throw a football. Listen, I don't have kids. If I had kids, I'm sure that would be great. But I don't give a crap about that kind of stuff. And if you're an unlike me, if you're my age and maybe you're not a BC football lunatic, why the hell would you want to go to that game? There's nothing there for you. You can watch a boring expi- exhibition game, which Adazio is quick to just say, I don't want to do this. I'm just doing it because I kind of have to. Or you could just not find something else to do. I think this is up to the BC to figure out something, to do anything that makes it attractive to younger alumni. For those people that are 22 to anyone that doesn't have kids because I get it that kids are going to like that and that's great that should definitely still be part of 
your overall experience that you're experiencing during a spring game. But there needs to be something else for the people that go to that game that are not in that demographic. Like me. I'm being selfish here. I'm telling you this does not work for me. This is why I stayed at home is because I don't give a shit about bouncy houses. Excuse my language. I put this at PG-13 because I knew I might swear here and there. BC just is like, we're just going to do this because we have to and we're going to go through the motions. But I see potential and I keep saying that for something. And I have ideas. I, I, I think about these things. I come up with ideas of things that you could do. And no, you know, obviously the gold standard would be tailgating. But I think it'll be a cold day in hell before BC does tailgating at a spring game. It's hard enough for them to do that during a regular football game, but they're not going to pay state troopers. They're not going to pay game ops to come and um, do tailgating for a game that no one pays for. It's a, it's a giant money suck. They're not going to do it unless they were to figure out a way to, to, to monetize this so that they can pay for it. Um, but I, I, just, I just don't see BC doing that at this point. Maybe they will in the long run. I just, I'm just thinking, you know, they want their money. They're not going to do it. And they don't really have a place to do it. They could do it in Brighton. They can't do it on Shea Field anymore because they're going to be building the uh, indoor practice facility. But AJ has another idea. He has thought of something that might be a little different. I like to think outside the box. Something that BC could do that wouldn't cost them a ton of money that could still attract other people. And here it is. Here's one idea that I threw out. Okay, so spring in Boston is hit or miss with weather, right? So maybe we could do something outside, but you're still running the risk that the weather's going to suck and you're going to be stuck outside in like cold weather, snow, drizzly, crappy rain like we had this year. Here's my idea. Let's open up Conti Forum. Open up that practice gym. I've gone to Pops on the Heights and seen what they can do in there. Let's have an opening bar, I mean, a spring game barbecue. Fans pay 30 bucks or whatever you want to charge them, and they're going to get uh, uh, either Sodexo or whoever or a local business to come in and cater that. It seems like something that wouldn't be that hard to do that other fans could enjoy. And, of course, you could have – they've done it before. Again, I said with Pops in the Heights, have a cash bar there. You hire a cop or two. That's not that expensive. And voila, you have something. You could show highlights of previous football seasons. Maybe put on the Doug Flutie game from, you know, uh, against Miami with the Hale Flutie pass. Or Matt Ryan versus um, Virginia Tech. You could put those on or play music. And then you have food, you have drinks, you have a warm place for people to go, and you have entertainment. And it's not a freaking bouncy house. You have something for people for everybody, and it doesn't take a lot to do it, okay? It's a simple thing that BC could do that will attract those young alumni like myself and make them want to come because maybe, you know, Joe Schmo, who graduated five years ago, hasn't seen his friend since the fall and wants to get connect. They can have lunch together and go watch the BC football game. I guarantee if you did something like this and marketed it well, you would increase BC's attendance at the spring game by, I don't know, you double or triple it. People want this kind of stuff. And, you know, we're willing to pay for it. 
I'd pay, you know, if it's, it's going to cost me the same as a night out on the town or for dinner, and I can go to BC and have some good food and some good times, I'd do that. I'd do that in a heartbeat. But BC needs to do that. You can do a barbecue. You could do a cookout. You get a hot dog. Oh, I don't want to know the hot dogs and hamburgers because we all end up with the hockey pucks and crap like that. I don't know. Get the, get the people from lower to come down and do, you know, steak subs, like the steak subs that we used to have when we were at BC. Those things friggin' ruled, you know, get those there and get, you know, some good food and, and, and be creative. That could be something that BC could do. I, you know, I, I just don't, I hate, it bugs the crap out of me that the expectation is that me as a fan is just going to go, oh, it's Boston College football. I'm going to go to this game. Or I don't give and, – and that's the only marketing they're going to do. Or they're going to say, who gives a crap? If they show up, they show up. If they don't, they don't. Because that's, for me as a, as a football fan, is kind of insulting. I like seeing fans at games, and I want people to go to Boston College. I love being there all the time. So that's why I get heated about this. And it's not because I want beer. Because, of course, I do want beer. But it's not something that – is the make or break for me. It's, it's that community experience. I think that lacks that with a little initiative from Martin Jarman could make the difference. And that brings me to Martin Jarman. I've been talking for whew, 45 minutes and I, if you've made it this far, thank you. I'm, I'm getting into this and I'm enjoying just talking to you and I hope you're enjoying this as well. Let's talk about the new AD. I'm excited. Martin Jarman, former um, assistant AD at Ohio State, is our new athletic director. Here comes a guy with good experience with scheduling at both at Ohio State. He was the scheduling guru at Ohio State. And he, I mean, obviously it's easier at Ohio State to schedule than it is Boston College, but he put together some great schedules there. He was the fundraiser. He put together at Michigan State the job he had before Ohio State a $200 million fundraising campaign that um, blew away the goals that they had for that, for that school. So he's got that under his belt. He's done hiring and firing. He alluded to that during his press conference. So he's got, he's got the whole package. He's young. Um, and, you know, I'm going to bring it up because I think it's important. It's, he's a minority candidate. We don't have a ton of those uh, as ADs. He's the youngest AD in the country at 37. That's crazy. I think this is a dynamic step for Boston College in the right direction in terms of remaking the athletic program and revisioning it as something similar to what other ACC schools are doing. Uh, You know, in years past, we saw it. We all made the comments when they hired Brad Bates. Again, I'm not going to trash Bates. I liked him. I thought he was a nice guy, and I thought he did some good things. He you know, he spearheaded the indoor practice facility. He's got the new baseball stadium coming up. Um, he, he scheduled a couple good games. Um, but I, th- I, you know, I think a lot of you felt the same way that it's time to move in a different direction. And Martin Jarman is, you know, such a swerve that from what we expected that it's refreshing. We are all expecting, we have names that, you know, sounded fine, like Ed McLaughlin or Jim Paquette or, um, you know, other guys that had BC connections. You know, Mark Blodgen was going on and on about all these different people that he thought could be it, and none of them were right. And I'm not here to bash Blods. I've done it enough. 
But BC held that card to their heart. Jarman even talked about it in his press conference. He said BC had been in contact with him since March. That was a whole month BC was able to keep under wraps that they had this secret weapon uh, ready to be signed as AD, a guy that no one expected. I think that's pretty cool. I, I was impressed. I, I, you know, I was on uh, vacation when he was hired, and when his name came across as like, you know, the guy that they're going to hire, I, my heart raced. I was excited because he seems like a guy that if Adazio doesn't work out and Jim Christian doesn't work out or any other coach on uh, on campus right now, I feel like he gets it. And he's not going to make a safe pick because BC spends the money on some of these coaches. And I think they might spend a little more now when they see how other programs are doing it and what they need to do. But I think Jarman, I get this feeling and it's just my gut that if we need to make a coaching change, he's going to get, you know, the next hot guy that um, an ACC school could get. It's kind of like what Syracuse did with Dino Babers. I thought, he was a great hire. I think other schools are making hires just like that, like Brocko Mendenhall at UVA or, or schools like that. I think BC needs to think about that moving forward. I think they need to consider making – they have the money. They have that ACC money. You saw they got a ton of it when UNC won the, the basketball tournament. I hope Jarman's given the free reins to make a hire like that and to spend some extra money on scheduling and, and recruiting and coaches and assistants and things like that. And, I, you know, I guess I'm being a little naive when I say this, but I think lay, farther away he may finally see that in order to win, you're going to have to spend some money. And Jarman's going to need a little bit of a leash, a, a longer leash in terms of what he's able to do because Bates clearly wasn't able to do it uh, with what he had. I, you know, I'm still not sold. I, Adazio, yeah, he's won three bowls in four years. I don't. I, I still worry about where the direction of that team is, and the basketball team's a mess. Um, I, I don't follow basketball all that much. I do write about it here and there, but I'm not an insider on that. But I still think basketball's a bit of a mess, um, and I think Jarman's going to have to to make some tough decisions in his first couple of years here at BC. Um, and I'm excited. I, as I said uh, on Twitter, I got a chance to actually talk to him. Brad Bates talked to a couple of the guys back in the day um, when he, when he first started, I think he talked to either Joe, I know he talked to Joe a bunch of times and he's talked to Brian and he's talked to a bunch of other guys. So it's not to say that Brad was totally hands off, uh, but Martin uh, Jarman reached out to me and said, you know, Hey, I want to give you a call. And that kind of fed my, um, you know, excitement about him. He talked to me on the phone. I could feel it. He was so pumped about coming to Boston College. We talked a little bit about what the blog looked like, what BC Interruption was all about. Just a couple minutes, but it really solidified that he cares, that he's going to be a guy that is going to reach out to people. And that's all I keep hearing about now is he's reached out to all the younger, uh, all the famous alumni that have been a part of Boston College. I, I loved, I loved during the um, opening press conference when he talked to ESPN's uh, Tom Lehman, uh, who's a, a BC grad, and made the joke about, oh, I, hey, I'm going to be calling you to ask for some money soon. That's, you know, he's got the personality to do it. It worked well. I, I got a good, I got a good uh, laugh out of it. It was just a good moment, and um, I'm, I'm just excited to see what he's going to do. Um, he doesn't start until June. He's still finishing off his uh, tenure at Ohio State. He's got some work to do, but I think he's kind of got both feet, feet in both pools right now. He's doing a little bit for both, and. 
which which is interesting with that Ohio State scheduling uh, snafu that just came up. If you haven't been paying attention to the blog lately, Ohio State was scheduled to come to BC. I think it was 2023 and two, uh, 2024 they were going to do a home and home, but they got pushed back when Ohio State had the opportunity to schedule TCU, and now BC is in 2026, 2027. And a lot of fans are like, why is this happening? Martin Jarman's supposed to be the, the scheduling guru. Um, and from my impression, and I think Matt BC03, who's a great commenter on our site, mentioned, this has been something that's been in the works for a while. So I can't imagine that it was Jarman as BC's AD that made this move. He may have forced their hand when he was at Ohio State and didn't know he was coming here. But I don't think this was something he did to, like, you know, stick it to BC or, or, or made poor – uh, a poor choice for the future of the school. I think it was a little bit beforehand. So give him a pass on that. Um, he's going to start in June. I can't wait to see what he's able to do. Uh, he's got a lot ahead of him. I want to see specifically in terms of football, what's he's gonna, what is he going to do in terms of setting up a future schedule that really benefits Boston College? Because as I've talked before, it's stupid to think that BC is going to schedule Alabama, Texas, Notre Dame, and USC every year, you know, but Jarman says, and he said in his introductory, uh, introductory press conference, that what he wants is one national powerhouse a year. I think that's a great goal. I think that's what we as fans really want. Um, if you want the four, then that's your call. I think it, that's uh, stupid, but you're gonna get you're gonna get one a year. And I I want to see what he does right off the bat, and see if maybe he looks outside the box. Um, to find a, a, a common opponent that maybe has some in, interest in playing Boston College. So he's got some work to do there. I already mentioned the coaches. Um, he's going to start to have to evaluate them immediately. Um, and this year is going to be a big one because um, it's going to be make or break for Adazio and, and Jim Christian. And I think Eric Johnson with the women's basketball team too. Uh, and what, what Jarman wants and what he's expecting moving forward. Um, and, and finally with fundraising, is he able to continue to get those fans back that, you know, I'm sure that the numbers aren't horrible, but what can you get those common fans back that decided, you know what, I'm not donating to the fun fund anymore. Those will be an interesting ones to go. So I'm going to wrap it up in a couple minutes. My dog is whining at me. So if you hear her, her barking in the background, that's Harper. Um, and it's her dinner time. So she's pretty pissed that I'm still doing this. Um, so I'm going to wrap it up. So what I'm going to say, moving forward with the, with the podcast, you're going to get me again. I'm going to hopefully maybe next week do another one um, and, t- and talk a little bit about looking forward. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to include a section with your questions. And it can be anything. You can ask me anything you want about Boston College sports, whether it's, something about my history with the team, like what, what is my favorite player or, or uh, you know, in the last five years, or um, do you have a favorite game that you ever attended? Or, or you could go into, you know, my prediction kind of stuff that I always do. Like, what do you think is going to be an upset that BC could have moving forward? So I'm going to open up. I would like to have a mailbag with at least five or 10 questions, a, a podcast coming from you. So I will reach out on the blog and on Twitter and Facebook to look and like, and aggregate as many questions as I can. So look for that. Um, I'm going to try it again. Again, I will look forward to getting some guests on here. You can definitely see that coming up soon. 
Um, and I apologize if I stammered a little bit here um, at different points. I, I had been thinking about this and I wanted to get it done today. Um, so if there's points where it's like, whoa, AJ, that was kind of weird pause. That was kind of, well, at one point my wife started calling me on my phone and I was trying to make sure that she was fine, but she's fine. I didn't tell her I was doing this. So hopefully she's not pissed at me. Um, but there are other points where I was just kind of trying to, you know, work this out. So um, again, if there's weird pauses, I apologize. It wasn't perfect, but hopefully it gets better as we go along. Um, Harper's now basically screeching at me in the other room. So I need to get going. So I hope you enjoyed this. Make sure you share this with all your Eagle friends out there and people who just like to listen to some jerk like me talk about college football for 45 minutes to an hour. Um, Again, my name is AJ Black. You can follow me on Twitter at BC Hysteria. I write for BC Interruption. I'm, our fit, I'm the football editor. That's my new title. Um, so I have a couple of underlings underneath me who have to do my bidding. And um, I am excited for this upcoming year. And you can hit me up on Twitter if you have any questions. And uh, enjoy it. And as always, go Eagles. See you soon. <laughs>